Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. in the old shop laying I lay him on the case with a, on his blanket for a number of hurricanes he's laid on his back he on just lays the on the case and guards the store but he I told him dude you got this I'm out of here I'll see you tomorrow and uh yeah he didn't so I pulled his head off and pulled his hands off because he got wet and you gotta make put him over. in the car, and one of my girlfriends said, oh, I can paint him. You want me to paint it, repaint him? And I'm like, yeah. And my other friend, she has a wood shop. She goes, I could build his body. I'm like, let's do it, girls. He's got new, new hair extensions. He's got new hairdo. Got... He got exfoliated, we determined. Those voices were Cindy and Jerry Tolliver from Trader's Hitching Post in Mount Lachey, speaking about Jack, their mascot, who was left in charge when Ian came. Jack has weathered many storms, but this one was a big one. Jack was injured but survived. However, the store did not make it. Jerry and Cindy were determined to stay on Pine Island, and this is a wonderful story of how they were able to stay in Mount Lachey. Here are Jerry and Cindy. Well, thank you, Jerry and Cindy, for uh, being on the Pine Island podcast. I love your shop, the uh, Trader's Hitching Post. It's... uh, Gorgeous. It it just sparkles in here. We're so, ha- we're so happy to be here and ask you all about it. Um, so let's, why don't we just jump right in? We we like to talk about uh, the beginning, where you're from. A uh, good question is, how did you meet? <laughs> you know, well, we got to go into that. Well, we don't have to, we can skip <laughs> over that, you know, and then just how you, how you, uh, started because I know it's been over forty-five years. I think that yeah, that, that you've been uh, serving customers in Southwest Florida for sure. No, we've been for almost thirty. It'll be thirty in March. Okay, but um, the shop has been around since nineteen seventy-seven. It started out in Cape Coral, and they moved it out here in eighty-one, and we moved down to to Lee County to Cape Coral in nineteen eighty. And found the shop. I found the shop. I always loved Indian jewelry. So I found the shop and went in and and then they, they moved out here. And I continued. We continued to shop here all those years until they both retired in 94 and we bought the shop. And for, for most people that uh, remember the Big John's Plaza in Cape Coral, that's actually where it started. So there's, I'm sure there's people out there that remember the shop from that location. Probably not a lot. That well, was a long time ago. But <laughs> well, where where were you born and where? We're both from um, central Ohio. We grew up in a small town called Baltimore, Ohio, mm-hmm. southeast of uh, Columbus. And we grew up in the same town. Our families knew one another. Actually, our dads were both in the National Guard, right? Yep. Air Force National Guard and went to um, France During and Germany the together. Yep. Really? Yeah. And then I was in second grade with his sister. We're the same age. Jerry's quite a bit older than me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he didn't pay attention to me. I was just a little kid then. Aww. And then uh, we met after after I got out of high school, and we both wanted to live in Florida. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> a good place to be. It is a great place to be. Yeah, actually, we... we used to come out here and boat like a lot of people and uh, got familiar with this area. So it was nice to be able to spend more time out here, even as a business. So tell us about Florida, when you came to Florida and did, you didn't start out in Pine Island, started out in... No, we started out in uh, Cape Coral. Well, mm-hmm. we had it. We came with another Actually, couple who North, had family North here. North Fort Myers and then Cape Coral. Yeah, the other uh, those guys had family here, and we all knew them too because we had gone to school with them in our small town. And they moved down in the seventies, I guess. And uh, their oldest boy was one of Jerry's was Jerry's best friend, and him and his girlfriend they were moving down. And they said, "Hey, 
We said, all right, let's go. And yeah, this, I think it three days later. Yeah, my buddy Tim <laughs> wow. stopped by one day and he said, uh, I said, what are you up to? He says, well, I'm going to Florida. I said, really? He said, yeah, you want to go? I said, when are you going? He said, tomorrow. I said, sure. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Well, it was three <laughs> days. It was, that quick. Yeah. it was three days. Yeah. <laughs> seemed like just the next well, day. Well, you didn't even hesitate. No, no, no. Well, we had been talking about it, and we'd been on vacation to the East Coast, and uh, we were kind of hesitant about the West Coast because, you know, it was a lot cooler to go to Daytona sure. in those days. And we had both been there before. Right. Uh, we'd both lived there at different times. Uh, and anyhow, so we came down with Tim and Susan. And uh, we lived with that. We shared a duplex with them for six months and then to see where we were going to land. And he was going to school at Edison, which is now uh, Western, um, whatever the. Yeah. Anyhow. Southwestern, uh, I think. Yeah. I started working lifeguarding at the Yacht Club in Cape Coral. And then. Um, Actually, you started in Fort Myers at. Uh, yeah, West Knot Pool in front of the hospital, which is gone now. Yeah, anyhow, so I did that, and I worked at the Yacht Club, and then um, I ended up going to work for a pool service company, Gordon's Pool Service Company in Cape Coral, for three years, and then I got my own license, and we had Cindy's Pool Service for... About 15 years, almost. Yes, almost 15 years. Or I did. So that was your name, Cindy's Pool Service. Yes, yeah, yeah, because yeah, nice. I had worked for Gordon's, and I thought if it was Cindy's, all my customers that liked me... <laughs> yeah. And it worked pretty good. Yeah. recognize her name and follow her. Yeah. yeah. And it, so, did. It, it did do that. It did work. And then we sold it after having this shop about three years. Make sure we could make enough money. Yeah, that was smart. Yeah. And then how did you decide to open up a shop or buy a... You know, that's kind of a... There's a certain well, comfort the, the, in working for yeah, somebody. Yeah, the previous owners, Pat and Beer Homes, uh, during certain times of the year, I would go buy gifts for Cindy, anniversaries, Christmas, or... I always had a layaway bag, so, <laughs> so I got what I wanted. Yeah, so, and we still do that today. Very clever. Yeah, so we would... Uh, that's how we formed a relationship with Pat and Vera. And then they lived out here in Matlache, uh, just down the road, and... They would have parties and invite us as well. And eventually one day, Pat, Cindy had always told Vera, says, you have the best job in the world. I'd really like to have your job. And one day Pat asked me, he says, were you guys serious about that? And it took me, he, he retired at 82 or 83. And I took me about, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds to say, yes, we were still interested because I thought, if you could work at this business till you were 82 or 83, uh, that's a <laughs> sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so we went and negotiated with Pat and Vera over the next three years, actually, to get to an agreeable terms. Uh, and here we are. Now, did they have the same kind of merchandise, or did you exactly guys the morph same. into exactly the same? We and still with a lot of the, deal with a lot of the same people they did over the years. When we when we bought the shop. Um, we had to make payments to them for like five years. And they said, until you know what you're doing, you deal with these three traders in New Mexico. Don't deal with anybody else until you know what you're doing. And today, those three traders supply 95% of our inventory because they we get the best prices. We know that it's going to be quality and it sells. And some of the, some of the things that they have we get a better price through the trader than we can the artists themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the pieces you can only get through the trader because they'll go into the trader with a tray of their stuff and the trader buys everything they have. So there's a lot of times the only way you can get particular pieces is right through the trader. So is that kind of like a wholesaler or when you say trader, what exactly does that mean in terms of? Uh... It's, it's people that deal directly with the Indians and sometimes they provide them with raw materials. Uh, sometimes they provide them with places to work, and then they bring a finished product back to that trader. And that trader then, in turn, has his uh, wholesale market or jobber market, and that's kind of where we fall, the category we fall into, uh, which is a little below wholesale. So we have probably some of the best pricing that you'll find. Some of our prices are better than you'll find out west. A lot of them are. One of our traders um, often has their sticker. We don't use stickers. I just write on the jewelry with a marker, but their sticker will be on there. And my price, our price will be 50 to to $100 less or whatever whatever the range is. And I'll just cross their price out 
because that's what they priced it for for their retail shop. Because mm -hmm. all three of our traders have retail shops also. Actually, so. Winfields has gone to completely wholesale now, and it's by appointment only. So they've gotten out of the retail business altogether. No, oh, you didn't see their Facebook post lately. Okay. Yeah. And that's changed. Yeah. Maybe since COVID. Well, and the other son has retail in Arizona. Okay. So they retail and wholesale. Okay. Last and time because was... some of their stuff is coming pre-marked too. Okay. So for the artist then, it sounds like that allows them simply to do what they love, which is create the artwork and not have to deal really with the business side so much. Because as you guys know, you know, retail and there's accounting and keeping track and worrying about inventory levels and stuff. So they can just create in this scenario. And then the other people kind of do the, business side of it for them and it just allows them to work right that's rather than having to go in town and try and peddle your stuff at three or four restaurants or sit on the street corner and wait for the tourists to come by and maybe buy something they take the finished product whether it's a bracelet bar full of bracelets right to one of those traders and if they like the quality of the what they've done they buy everything mm -hmm. and it just makes it convenient for the artist he's not running around he's not spending a lot of money and time he has a, a buyer that's right there and ready to go. And how many artists do you think there are? I mean, it seems like this is a popular kind of thing. I mean, we're not talking about 10 or 20. There must be quite a few people I've, that do it. I've heard one of our traders say that they deal with 300 different Zuni artists. Um, and the Navajo has to be an untold number of Navajo uh, that yeah. make pieces. I, I wouldn't have a clue. Um, that said, though, um, since COVID, a lot of the older artists have stopped working. They retired and went, yeah, okay, I'm going to stay retired. Mm -hmm. And they're not, there's not often young ones taking over. So some of the work is getting very difficult to get. And prices are going up all the prices time. Prices are yeah. going up. They've surged since uh, COVID. Right. Not only because of the price of silver going up, but also. Uh, the availability of the product. So I was glad to see the last time I was out there, I was at one of the supply houses that where the Indians buy their silver and other products, like they might go in and buy cabochons or raw stones to work with. Uh, I did see about 100 Native American Indians in there buying stuff, so it looked like some of them were trying to ramp back up to start making pieces again. But so far, we haven't seen... Uh, the prices come down at all. Not and, at all. And, uh, I don't imagine they will. Some of the pieces are still up. hard to get because didn't Jason tell you I asked can't for get a the, piece the other the, day? The petty point, the, the real small clusters of stones, mm -hmm. and the little slivers. That I wanted a couple sets, and he's like, I don't, those guys quit working and nobody's picked it up. Oh, no. So, I don't know. He's also been buying out because he was having trouble keeping inventory, stores like he ours. bought out stores like ours yeah. and then resells it to the rest of us. Because huh? it's all still new, most of it. And he's handling some estate pieces, too, that are really nice. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, the prices are getting stupid. And you go out there and check in with uh, with these people from time to time, or how does that part work? Yeah, we used to go out once a year. Um, of course, it gave us a... The opportunity to go out and be tourists and look around and see things that we've never seen before, uh, which was always a lot of fun. Uh, but the, there's a was a number of years we didn't go because we had uh, good contacts and we didn't have to go, and they knew the kind of products that we were selling on a regular basis. And we had the um, recession, and <laughs> so right. when the True. when the housing market crashed, business crashed with it. Setback. So yep. it was no point in going out when we were getting just as good a quality of stuff. But he started going out about five years ago. He started to go out again once yep. in a while. Yep. It's difficult to close the shop and take care of the dogs and for both of us to go. And so he's been going out the last few years. And it's always good to go out and see a lot of the things. When you go out, you see things that you we don't see normally because mm -hmm. <clears throat> there's just so much to look at that... Uh, we always have the option of sending back something that we don't want. We've yeah, they call them pick boxes. I'll order stuff and I'll tell them what I need and I'll tell them a dollar figure and they'll send me a, a box full of stuff. And the idea is pick what you want and send the rest back. 
I never send anything back oh. unless it's damaged in, in shipping. But for Cindy, it's always like Christmas almost. I was Because she opens say, the box and never knows what's in there. I don't know yeah, it must be such a nice surprise. Some of, the, some of the bigger pieces, I'll say shoot nowadays, I'll say shoot me a picture of a squash blossoms that you mm -hmm. have, and I'll go, okay, I want that one. Okay. And I'll do that. But yeah, the more expensive pieces, you want to see what it is. Yeah. But yeah, they they we very seldom send it back because it's if if we only sold what I liked, <laughs> we wouldn't have very good sales. <laughs> so I learned that early on. I would go out there and I would see something and I'm like, I'm on I'm on four of those because those are so <laughs> cool. They're gonna fly out the door. And six years later I have three and I kept the first one. So and yeah. it seems yeah. like bracelets were a big thing that we always gravitated to. Oh, I love bracelets. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, generationally, uh, some of the people that we deal with have had in the past, there are three or four generations into the turquoise business and have owned turquoise mines as well. Um, it's nice to see that we dealt with their parents and now we're dealing with the children. Sure. So, That's sweet. So it's yeah. uh, uh, a good history, carrying on the history. Just talking about not succumbing to just things that you like i mean other than sales data and stuff like that how do you make the determination about what to carry you know is it something new is it just your experience or some combination of I factors think it's that says this is something more, we're going to sell probably more experience over the years of knowing what sells we know that that rings and earrings are always something that'll move mm -hmm. because it's uh more affordable okay. a lot of times uh then people gravitate toward bracelets and then uh, some of the smaller beaded necklaces and then the people the, that are collectors and things probably move into the bigger pieces, don't you think? Yeah. Well, people come in and they, I watch it, they fall in love. Aww. You just see somebody, oh, can I look at that? And uh -huh. then they put it on and they look in the mirror and you can just uh -huh. see. You know. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, got that one. <laughs> She's in love and it's Aww. it's fun to watch. And you're making them happy. Yeah, yeah. You know, years ago, I was talking to Vera before it was my shop and I was like, I'm like, you have such a great job. It's so much fun. You just, people come in and talk to you and give you money and they go away <laughs> happy. She goes, honestly, she goes, it's the it's the best feeling in the world for somebody to find something and be in love with it and want it that bad. She goes, the money's great. It allows us to keep doing that. But it's really watching people find stuff they like. And the jewelry's kind of a different thing. That when you're buying it, it's, it's very personal. So... I think that's part of it, but you, I just see, and and then it'll be a bracelet, and then they look at every other bracelet in the shop because they want to be sure they got the right, and then they come back and buy the first one they look sure. at. They knew it. Yeah. We had one of our regular customers come in the other day when I was working, and she saw the big Santa Domingo piece that we had in the case. She tried it on, and she told her husband, I want this, whether it's for Christmas or some other thing. She said, I want this necklace. Uh, and she knew it was a Santa Domingo piece, and it's a very a rather large piece. But when she put it on, it looked like awesome. it was meant for her. Oh, yeah. that's very special. Yeah, it's fun. But that has to be a special part of the business because I think it seems like a lot of people get started and they're thinking about the cash register and the bottom line, and that seems very short-sighted. Like it might work for a day, week, month, but over time, it's like any business, you got to make the customer happy, right? And, right? and doing that and deriving joy from that, then, then like the business and the money flows from there. So, it, and the other part for me has always been, since we're in a tourist area that we get people from all over the world, and a lot of our customers are people from Germany or Belgium that come back every year or every other year, uh, whether it's to buy jewelry or just to say hi. I find that it's interesting in the different people that you meet from all over the world and finding out what they did in their past. Uh, and from photographers that work for National Geographic to, uh, I mean, you name it, you just mm -hmm. no way of knowing what people have done. And it's interesting to meet people from all different cultures and backgrounds. Sure. I had a lady one time that was, uh, she was with the press and she uh, was involved with, like three presidents, and and she was just talking about how when they when they were landing and and they they'd be in the press plane and the press plane would have to get ahead of Air Force One to land to set up all their gear before Air Force One and then they Air Force One would fly away and they 
throw all their gear in the plane and then they'd take off again and they'd have to get ahead of them and do the same thing over and over. But she she was speaking about the presidents that she worked for and their wives and it was that was like fascinating. Yeah. But you know, you just run into so yeah. many people from so many walks of life. It's yeah. really a lot of fun. You have no idea. No, you don't. And mm -hmm. you can't judge by how they look. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, the behind the scenes is so interesting. We had gone to visit uh, her uncle years ago. And it turns out he knew about how they uh, initiated Marine One because the Secret Service didn't like the drive from Andrews Air Force Base to the White House. And here's this mild manner, happy guy, something like that. And, you know, you, as you talk to the people, you find out all these really interesting, fascinating things about <clears throat> different presidents and some of the processes around that. And it's like things that you don't even think about, right? You just see them come up to a podium and speak. But even something like that, well, yeah, they've got to get down and set up all of this equipment and get the cameras yeah. ready and the carpet's got to be laid out and all that stuff. So then the whole ceremonial process can begin. So it, it, it does make it fun when you can mm -hmm. find that stuff out. Well, let's talk about something that isn't so pleasant, Ian. We're glad Ian's mm -hmm. gone. Um, but um, tell us a little bit about what that was like going through. I mean, looking at it today, this is absolutely gorgeous. It turned out to be very good for us in the mm -hmm. long run. I mean, we'll probably have to work a few more years before we can retire to make up for the, the money the part about it, but we love it. And uh, our old shop got four and a half feet of water. Wow. But we had removed all the inventory. I had removed all the jewelry, all the artifacts, all the stones and the silver, and because we make jewelry too, or I'm capable of making jewelry and cutting stones. So I removed all that. I couldn't take my equipment because it was bolted down, and nor did I want to take it because I have emptied the shop out so many times for tropical events that I I don't even know how many times. Yeah, since. our insurance policy requires that we take stuff with us when a known storm is coming in this direction. So yeah. Cindy's done that a lot. Uh, a lot. Like, I don't even know. But anyhow... As I was, you know, I'm taking it out and I'm thinking, well, I'm not unscrewing all that equipment and, and the motors and because I'll mm -hmm. be back in two days putting all this shit back in. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just that's what always happens. But uh, clearly that didn't happen. It was it took about seven months to decide what we were doing. Um, at first, we thought our landlord at the other place might want to help us get or help get those businesses because they own so many of them down there where those little cottages are. They weren't really interested in doing anything. I started, I was thinking maybe it was time to move to Cape Coral. It's where the business started. Or downtown Fort Myers. We even looked at I looked downtown oh, Fort you? Myers, but I just couldn't stomach the thought of going downtown Fort Myers every day after coming out here every day for 30 years. Mm -hmm. You know, I did just, um, but I thought I could do the south end of the Cape. Easy. Go back into the area that, that we started from. Yeah. So we were looking. I had a couple real estate people helping me, and we weren't coming up with anything. And then I got a call from William at the Fudge Factory, and he goes, "There's a for rent sign on the." I said, "I said, send it to me right now." Aww. And I called the landlord here, and I said, "I'm Cindy from Traders Hitch and Post, and uh, how much is the rent at the real estate office?" And he told me, and I said, "All right, I'll take it." He goes. Okay, well, when do you want to take a look at it? And I said, no, I'll take it. <laughs> do not rent it to anyone else. I will take it. Do I need to bring you a check right now? Because I'm out of town, but I can have one there tomorrow. Wow. And he said, just give a check to the guy in the shop next door. And the next day, I don't know, did you run it out or did I? Yeah, no, I ran it out. Yeah, I was wow. up north or something. And, yeah, it and was. you were probably, deal. what, two months prepping in here before? Uh, yeah. Yeah, prepping. And, but how did you know you hadn't even seen it? I'd you... been in this building before. Okay. Several different okay. businesses over the years. And I knew how big it was, and I knew it was the right size. The great and, size. Yeah. yeah. It gave us the ability to add more inventory. We have three more cases than we had in the other shop. Oh, that was And good. a lot more wall space. Yes, a lot. Because this was a room. You can see where the boards are. That was a room, and we took that wall out because this part if that wall was still up was as big as our old shop and i mm -hmm. thought mm -mm. we got to go bigger if we're gonna do this and i didn't need another i didn't need an office or anything here no so we tore that wall out and then it just took a while to get people in here to help us do the work but a lot of the local oh. people and friends of cindy came in and helped, a lot of oh. Help. Yeah. oh how sweet yeah we started scraping i was going to repaint the there was oh, there garage, was silver paint. 
or like paint the grave, on the floor. grave floor paint you put in your garage. Yeah, and I, I was just going to patch the spots on it, and I started looking, and it was flaking up. And here there was still water under the paint. Oh, no. As we started scraping, and then and then I had so many friends stop by and bring me a better tool to scrape with. And next thing you know, they're scraping, and scraping paint is very satisfying. So we're Takes out a lot of frustration. Yeah, yeah. we <laughs> scraped and scraped and scraped, and then I finally found a guy that would come in. And he walked in, and my friend Scotty and I were sitting here, and we're we're both sitting on coolers and scraping and drinking beer. You scraped for days and days and days. And we did. It was about four or five days. And and this the guy that was meeting me to to see about doing the job said, "Oh, stop, stop! I'll get that up in ten minutes." And so we stopped, and he looked around, and he gave us a price. And I whined about being poor and out of business and hurricane, and he gave me a better price. And so anyhow. He, took him a little more than 10 minutes though. <laughs> yeah, well, well we 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 made the deal and then he left and then Scotty and I are sitting here finishing a beer and the next thing you know both of us are still scraping because it's just there and you want to get that real big strip of it you, off. You can't you help yourself. You strip and you just got to get back at it. So, yeah, well, we had we had fun doing this that. This flooring's beautiful. Isn't it great? It, this building was 1970. And they put terrazzo in, terrazzo in all the old buildings. It's beautiful. And this guy was putting it in a new house down on in St. James. And he's, I think he said it was $80 a square foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's believe expensive it. Nowadays. Put it down. But then a lot of the old Cape Coral homes all had terrazzo yeah. floors in them. Yeah. A My high school floors. had it. Do you believe that? Yeah, yeah. schools used to have it because it's pretty indestructible. Oh, it's durable, yeah. And it polishes up. It just looks you look beautiful. at look at how bright yours is yeah. when you come in. It really brightened up the room. I yeah. could see the light changing as we were scraping the dark gray off. Yeah, the little gray paint would have just made it like dreary in here. Yeah, I think. you well, know. Plus, you would have to take care of it. This mm-hmm. I broom and wet mop. And you don't have to do it. anything with it. The guy said, "Don't put anything strong on it. No, don't wreck the finish." No. Beautiful. And then Jack was outside for the hurricane, right? Jack was in the old shop laying on, lay him on the case with a, on his blanket. For a number of hurricanes, he's laid on his back on top of the case. <laughs> he cases. lays on the case and guards the store. But he, I told him, dude, you got this. I'm out of here. I'll yeah, see you tomorrow. Yeah, you're in charge. And uh, yeah, he didn't. So I pulled his head off and pulled his <gasps> hands off because he got wet. Yeah. And... You had a makeover. Put him in the car. One of my girlfriends said, oh, I can paint him. You want me to paint, repaint him? And I'm like, yeah. And my other friend, she has a wood shop. She goes, I could build his body. Yeah. I'm like, let's do it, girls. New, new hair extensions and everything. Got he, got hair do. he got exfoliated, we determined. Oh, that was some makeover. So, yeah, he's a new guy. Yeah, he looks happy sitting yeah, outside he looks, there. He looks 10 years younger, I think. Yeah. Well, he does, yes. Yeah. That's great. Well, tell us a little bit about turquoise. I think people somewhat know about silver. You've heard about gold and silver, and you know it's mined. Um, I'm not sure how many people know, like, the process to get turquoise, you know, to even begin to have those artists make it into jewelry or whatever. Yeah, there's a variety of ways, I think, that they mine and uh, get turquoise. Um, I, I do know that some of the oldest jewelry I ever found was a turquoise bracelet that belonged to an Egyptian queen that they dated back 10,000 years. So it's been popular for a long time. Cindy might know more about the mining processes. One of our uh, customers or one of our suppliers, like I said before, had been in the turquoise mine. And they, from the videos that I saw that that they had, they used to use like a sort of a front-end loader and kind of strip the areas that they knew had turquoise or the potential of turquoise. Uh, And interestingly enough, Walt Disney did a small video of them in the process of uh, getting the turquoise and making jewelry and stuff like that because Walt Disney had an an affliction or he liked turquoise. So that video is out there and available to see. But Cindy, do you have anything on how they mine? I know a A lot of the mining work, I think, is done by hand. They may start scraping or maybe blasting or whatever. But then they they got to go in and they got to find it, and the bigger pieces are better. So you wanna, you don't wanna use too much equipment. I wouldn't think to because you could break it up. Because bigger is better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of it is done by hand. Actually, I was kind of drawn a blank when you first asked me, but 
a lot of the turquoise was found as a byproduct of other mining. And that's where you'll, that's where you'll find some of the stones have irons or coppers or other minerals in there. Mm-hmm. They were, that's actually what they were mining was irons and coppers, and they would find veins of turquoise. And other stones, too, malachite, chrysocolla. Um, a lot of stones are associated with metal mining, and the metal in the ground when the stones form is what gives them the color. Like copper mines are big. A lot of the green turquoise comes near copper, so it's all kind of tied and together. And the turquoise is always named after the mine that, that it came from, whether it's Bisbee, the Bisbee mine, or the Sleeping Beauty mine, or whatever the mine may be, they name the turquoise after the mine. And most of the turquoise, if you look at turquoise maps, come from Nevada. I was going to say it must be pop, or must be plentiful in the Southwest, yeah. which is somewhat. Yeah, cool, Nevada. But... Nevada has probably the most mines. Arizona has mines. New Mexico has mines. Colorado has mines. But those Nevada has more mines than all the other states. But we also get. They also work with turquoise from all over the world. There's right. some beautiful turquoise. Coming, Persian turquoise coming in from uh, Kazakhstan. That's what I meant, Kazakhstan, yeah. which is by Russia and China and up in that region where Russia and China meet is Kazakhstan and they call it Golden Hills Turquoise. It's beautiful. It almost has a lavender sheen to say, it. Yeah, like a light purple. It's so beautiful. Cast to it or something. And then we're getting fabulous turquoise out of China. Uh-huh. The Hubei mine. And uh I was looking at I sold a necklace yesterday that was Cloud Mountain Turquoise. So I Google it. And sure enough, it was in the Hubei region of China. Mm-hmm. So they're getting really pretty turquoise out of China. And, and, and the Indians have access at the supply houses to turquoises and stones from all the stones from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So, and, and a lot of the old turquoise and still Persian turquoises is really nice turquoise. Um, and for the Chinese, like you say, the uh, jade is sort of number one for them. And number two is turquoise. Mm. Um So, um, talk, so off that, then a little bit about the the merchandise that you have in the store. What can people expect to find here? And uh, I assume you have some stones other than just it looks like other than just turquoise. Yes, we have we have uh, turquoise. We have spiny oyster shell. We have jasper. We have uh, charite. We have Jaspiate. malachite. We have laramar. We have bumblebee jasper. Red coral. Red coral, which is going crazy in prices. My repair guy that I use when I can't fix something, I sent a bracelet out to him and it needed a piece of coral, just a small piece. And he sent it back. He says, I don't have any coral. I called him. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have any coral? He goes, the price is stupid. I'm not buying coral anymore. How about if I send you some of ours? I said, well, I want this piece (laughs) fixed. So I'll send you a piece and you can cut it down and make it fit. And he did. I sent two pieces. He sent one back. He used the other one. And and I called him and I said, how much should I charge for this? Because I didn't know it was so expensive. He goes, I would charge 150 for that piece. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a little uh, steep. I, I think out, I charged her 75 When I went out the last time, just to give you an idea on pricing of stones and things like that, when I went out the last time, and I, was, I had mentioned before that I was in the jewelry supply house, and Cindy says, I want some turquoise stones. Buy me some stones. I, of course, I, I how big do you want them and what mines do you want them from? I don't know. Just get me some turquoise. So, <laughs> Not so, that hard. Just so look at I, the pretty pieces. So I start looking through the different mines. They have them separated by mines. And by the time I got done, I don't know if you remember the old uh, brown paper penny candy bags that were very small. Well, about two, about an inch deep in the bottom of one of those penny candy bags, I think, came to close to $700. Uh, but I bought her a lot of pieces from different mines. So more surprises for you. Yes, I just hoard them. We've yeah, got a lot I of stones and things back there that we just, they're beautiful stones. People, and, people come in and go, hey, can you just sell me a piece of turquoise? And I'm like, mm, how big? <laughs> And what are you, what are you doing? What are you I'd have to go to the safety deposit box. <laughs> yeah, and then I'll bring a tray out and I'll go, okay, some of these are available. <laughs> Not all of them. Not all of them because I'm in love with some of them. So you pick out what you think you want and I'll decide whether you can, I'll sell it to you or not. So, yeah. 
That's good. Well, but you love it. The, in, in terms I of do. The, the jewelry and stuff that we have in, in terms of styles, we have Navajo work, we have Zuni work, we have Santa Domingo, we have, um, uh, what other work do we have, Cindy? Um, um, I don't know. About, we've had Pat, Apache work before. Yeah, uh, types, the tribes of different yeah. tribes. Yeah. But and, the majority of the jewelry is made by Navajos, and then the Zuni are the second, and then probably Santa Domingo does more stone work. Right. They do the bead work. Like a lot of the small bead work is in Leon this, this shells. Is like Santa Domingo style. Oh, okay. They just use just mostly stone work. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Hopi Indians. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff that we have for the Hopi, we get. Hopi pieces in terms of jewelry every once in a while, but most of what we have in here are the Kachina dolls and things like that, or Hopi um, or Zuni. Um, the jewelry, the Hopi jewelry is beautiful, but it's usually mostly just solid silver, and they don't often. Uh, most of the stuff I see doesn't have stones in it, but their their work is beautiful. But there's Navajo work that is just about as perfect. That the average person is not going to pay eight hundred when they could pay three hundred. Mm-hmm. So the Hopi pieces are more Hopi expensive. Hopi pieces are hard to sell. And, and I was told one time the reason for that was when one Hopi starts a piece, one Hopi finishes a piece. Sometimes with the Navajo or the Zuni, you might have somebody in the family that's better at cutting and polishing stones, and the other family member is better at silver work, and they'll combine their efforts to make the piece, and they'll be signed by both. Husband and wife, oh. uh, like Eldrick and Charlotte Satiwa, would do their pieces. That and they were Laguna Indians. Uh, we used to carry some of their work, um, but there are. That's not uncommon to have more than one person outside of the Hopis uh, produce jewelry. Wow, and did not know that. And a lot of our pieces are signed by well-known artists. Uh, occasionally, you'll, occasionally you'll find a piece that is not signed. Uh, not that that's a big factor for a lot of people, but some people want want the signature or want the stamp. Um, but it's still just a nice piece of jewelry, whether it's signed or not. And you also have a lot of artwork, Native American artwork for sale. Right. We do. That's not like a huge seller. No. But we do have collectors that come in and buy it. Or people that just fall in love with a piece. That really, that's kind of just like the icing. Yeah, the jewelry is what sells. Sure, I don't. I haven't sold any big uh, kachinas or pottery since. And it's interesting. We've things, reopened. Things kind of go in waves. Sometimes uh-huh. when you start selling uh, the pottery for a week, it might be how, how often people buy pottery or kachina dolls, but it comes in spells. Um, but a lot of the time it's like Cindy said, it's, uh, for visual aesthetics and things that people like to look at. Now you have the beautiful retail store. Do you participate like in art fairs or other kinds of events and take like a subset of the inventory out to those or pretty much all here in the store? We used to do a lot of festivals. Um, I do mango mania in the summers, a two day event at the German American club. Not so much anymore because I'm getting old and it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's the tent and the tables and the jewelry. Plus the fact that then the jewelry is not in the shop. Oh, yeah. And and people come to the shop to buy the jewelry. I did, uh, I must say, though, pop-ups helped us through the seven months we were not working. I did pretty much weekly pop-ups mm-hmm. and sold jewelry that way. I didn't sell a lot, but, it, you know, at that point, anything helped. I don't want to do it anymore. It's it's just it's too much work. I I I didn't mind a two day event because all the work, you know, I'd set it up and then it would be just two days of hustling and have it was always fun, but to just go out and set up for four hours, that's a lot of work to drag out and and then it's mm-hmm. jewelry missing from the store. And we didn't so. necessarily make a lot of money at those. It, for us, it was more advertising. PR, you know, yeah, it was you more can PR meet- meeting people that didn't know we were here or. Uh, so that that's really what it was for more than advertising. Yeah. 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 And they come into the store. We were talking earlier about the difference, or at least Hurricane Ian and the impact that it had. The difference between Charlie and Ian, we were able to go out during Charlie and help other people on the island where we would take out 
water and sandwiches and stuff like that, see people working, and we would pass them out, and would you like a cold drink and some, a sandwich to eat or something like that? And people were always glad to, to see us do that. And it was short-stayed, but this one with Ian was like the seven months, and it was just, it never ended, and we just didn't have that opportunity. Well, and there were people out here feeding people already. It right. wasn't a need. When Charlie came, there were less services out here. The Beacon of Hope didn't exist. The Beacon of Hope was formed from the church groups and the other people. We I got involved with that. We had weekly meetings to see what needed to be done and what progress was going on. And that group turned into the Beacon of Hope. Um, I was going uh, representing the Matlache Hookers because I'm I've always been involved with the Matlache Hookers, and I was, you know, representing them. And there was a few of us girls that, you know, had time to go do stuff. So we got heavily involved in that. But with this hurricane, the services were in place, and and the food people came, and they were feeding World Food Kitchen or whatever that one was. Yeah, they came and they, they, uh, they fed people, so that there was less of a need, and people had a central place to go to the beacon, and Pine Island Community Church had a huge presence. Um, we were a resource center for months, and our sanctuary we was just full of everything from shoes to diapers to medicine, you know, over the counter, or every all the donations that came in, and so there was. It was easier for people to get stuff after this storm than the previous ones. And I, I don't remember who was sponsoring it, but we had gone to visit some friends because they just wanted to, they took it a lot worse than we did. And they said, just, just bring some drinks. And we just want to talk to you. And somebody was in there with a ton of Papa John's pizzas had been donated <laughs> from somewhere. And they knew they were in there cleaning out their houses and dragging out appliances and kitchen cabinets. And uh, they were going down saying, hey, is anybody, and th I mean, it's like the, it's a, you know, perfect snack food for when you work and take a bite, haul a couple of things, take a bite yeah. versus, you know, sit down meal or having to, as good as, and we heard fabulous things about the World Food Kitchen, but you had to drive to go get it. Mm -hmm. This was nice because, so you do really see the community coming together in those events. And like you said, last time you helped and now this time you needed help. So it, it's, it's an amazing little thing that happens despite all the devastation. It's an amazing community. It really is, yeah. and, and we were. I was involved with the church out there on a daily basis, and just you know unloading and then helping people reload to take because there was nothing for us to do. Our house had little damage, and um, the shop wasn't going anywhere. And mm -hmm. you know, I didn't even think about when I was going to be able to reopen at that point. I thought it was far off in the future, as it turned out to be. But um, it's just it was just good to be out and doing stuff. Yeah. yeah, we were just fortunate enough to have some savings to get us by those seven months, but now that's gone. <laughs> yeah, you needed that. Yeah, yeah. but it was good we had it. Yeah. That was our COVID loan. Yeah. Uh, yeah that uh -oh. We got a COVID loan we thought we would need and we never needed, uh -huh. and I was paying it back. It was an S SBA loan, and I, I still had most of it, and that's what we lived off of until we got the shop open again. And then another SBA loan to buy the cases and the wall stuff. Everything else is thrift. Almost almost everything in here is thrift except the cases and the wall units. The cases, they're absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, the other stuff was gifts or thrifts, you know, thrift right. stores. So that worked out well. So any future plans or are you, you just happy to be here and you're not thinking of? Happy to be here. And we have a we have a online presence, but we've determined that selling jewelry online, like he he takes takes the pictures and then he gets the pictures just right and he puts them on the website. And then I sell the piece and it's still on the website. Oh, yeah. And then somebody's pissed so, because so, so, they so, wanted it. They spent two weeks trying to decide and now it's uh, gone. Yeah, that would be hard to keep on top of. It's yeah. impossible. So we stopped doing that. And now the thing is just call me on my cell phone uh -huh. and FaceTime. And I did this during COVID. Just hold the phone over the case. <laughs> wait, wait, that one. Back up. That one. The, the turquoise one with the yeah. heart. Yeah yeah, 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 that one. Look at it shining just like this. Right. You know? And then I could I'd be like, I'll have it in the mail in 20 minutes. You know, and credit card over the phone, and boom. So that's the way we Very sell clever. online is that way because it's impossible otherwise because so many pieces I, well, I only have one of them or yeah. there's only is one of them. 
So, well, I didn't realize that you have a newsletter people can subscribe yeah, to. We've got a newsletter. I haven't done much in the newsletter since Ian, but I'm going to start that back up. And usually it was titled, uh, Did You Know? And some of the articles, and it would describe uh, something about the Native American Indian or the folklore. And it would usually be accompanied by a piece that we were offering a special price on if people mentions they saw the newsletter and would like that piece. Uh, I'm going to start that back up again. Um, and people can also follow us on Facebook as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen your postings on Facebook. Yeah. It's always a fun place. And Facebook is huge on Pine Island. It is. More than anything. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Russell's doing a great yeah. job with things to do. Yes. He really yeah. is. You should you should podcast him sometime. We, we've talked to him I've about it. Him. Yeah. We just have to get together. And um, Lisa Dents. Oh, we Fish did. House. Did we you do did, her? Yes. Yeah. You, you'll love that one. She's amazing. Well, when you brought up Matt Lachey Hookers, we interviewed them last week. Oh, good. Yeah. Who did you interview? DJ uh-huh. and Julia. Oh, my God. So I we had the madams. <laughs> yeah, the madams. <laughs> and they were, yeah. oh, so, and talk about helping during Ian. Oh, my God. It was huge. It was amazing. Uh, Julia spearheaded all that stuff, and she just knocked it out of the ballpark. Absolutely. And DJ has always been a great madam. She's um, held that position several times, and she's fabulous at it. Great. She just... Well, that's so, when we yeah. saw Jerry because we were following the the stuff the trailer out oh. to here, and you had, and we um, as a matter of fact we took a picture of oh. of yours your school supplies here, and I said to Jerry we'll see you in about a week, but we were following them all around. They just they do everything. They do very it's a great amazing, very group. yeah. It's a terrific, group. and they have fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, we have a lot of fun. You, yeah. They have yeah. More, more participation in that organization than any other I've ever been around. Uh, when they have their meetings, even off-season, how many 50 women We show always up? have at least 50 women at a meeting. We used to have 100 back in the day, but, um, you know, things change. Yeah. And the, the membership ebbs and flows, but there's always women ready to do help, and it's really a great organization. Oh, yeah. It started out in the bar. Uh, at Burt's, right? Yeah, yeah it did. <laughs> yeah, we had, and a lot of the girls were, were bar girls back then. And one of our slogans was, we're, we're, um, we're Matt Lachey hookers, not left hookers. Because <laughs> some of the girls were, you know, it was kind of a rough, the beginnings were kind of uh, rough. Sketchy. Sketchy. <laughs> Sketchy, yeah. Those were the days. They were a lot of fun. That's like in our old location. I tell people all the time. They the, across the street bef before Hurricane, well, during before Hurricane Charlie, was a place called La Lolly, which was a restaurant, which had an outside uh, tiki hut that was live music, and sometimes they used to have live music inside, but outside as as well. And usually, I said, you know, for us, it was entertainment because if you stood in front of the doorway and watched over across the street at La Lolly. You never knew what you were going to see out in that parking lot. <laughs> yeah, don't entertainment. tell any of those no, stories. It was always fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about or mentioned this store several times. What are the hours if somebody wants to look in and not FaceTime you for the to see the product? Well, we try and be open every day from 10-ish to 5. And Sunday and Monday are by chance. I love those hours, well, ish you know, and by chance. I love it. Just it just became <laughs> such a problem trying to have summer hours and winter hours, yeah. and he can't be on time, I so people, the ergo ish, the ish. I said the ish is the only thing that keeps me on time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that ish. I've never seen it yeah, before. It just, uh, it's wonderful. Because I would hate to have people show up at 10 and expect us to be open. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, ish. But, um, yeah, I think our Saturday hours are 10 to 3, but... I, it's very rare that I leave before five. Saturdays is my day. And you know, once you're here, you're here. So whether it's you say three, but I think that was more for when we were boating a lot and we wanted to take off earlier and do something. Oh, but, sure. You yeah. want to go fishing or we something. Yeah. Early on Saturday and not have to be back till Tuesday. But that was in the early days. I think since the recession, we've yeah, been since open. Since 2008, we've been open six, seven, seven days, days a week. Oh. We might. We're slacking a little slacking bit lately bit because business is so incredibly slow. Yeah, on those days, on Sundays and Mondays, just call first. Yeah, yeah, that's the best way. Unless you're driving by and Jack's outside, right? Right. And, you know, 
Yeah. That's cool. And then I know um, your website is tradershitchingpost.com. Correct. And uh, Facebook. Yeah, they can find the link on our website. I, yeah. I don't remember what it is. Yeah. It might be silver jewelry. That, uh, I don't recall. American Indian jewelry. Something like that. Yeah. 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 But just Google. Just go to Facebook and search yeah. and you'll yep. find it. Oh, yeah. Sure. And... um. And your email is uh, tradersjewelry at gmail.com. Correct. Okay. I got that one right. Or they can call you, the the, two eight, the 239-283-4040. Yes. That's Not a bad number. number. No. Yeah, we've had it for years. And this time around, it was like pulling teeth to get them to transfer the number from one company to another or even just locate it from down the street here. Oh, we can't do we can't do that. And I, th- I said, why? It's just down the street. You, you already have the number. No, we can't do that. So we switched carriers. Well, we and had they, to for our alarm system. We had to go with Comcast. Then they wouldn't transfer the number to the new carrier. So, but we finally got the same number we've had for years. Plus, it was ringing into my cell phone all the time. Once the shop, and we had right away forwarded. we switch it over to my phone. So sure. for all for seven months, I had to answer every single freaking call that came through my phone. Absolutely. But um, it paid off. We had so many nice customers calling and checking on us. Yeah, they want to make sure you're okay. So many customers called. It was a lot so of nice. Our regular customers have come back in and said it was glad that they were glad to see that we were open again, and and they're stunned at this shop compared to the old shop. Right. I imagine they come in here and they said, this is fabulous. Yeah. 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 And interestingly enough, people, if they can't find anything else that they like, they gravitate toward all the crosses. Oh. Yeah. So that's why you see a whole show. I didn't realize you had all those crucifixes yeah. and yeah. crosses. Those are gorgeous. Yeah. If people can't find anything else, they'll they can always they'll spend time there. Sure. Oh, yeah, well, I'll take one of those. Oh, those are a lot beautiful. Of them, a lot of them are very modestly priced. Um, I've seen them as low as, I don't know about now, but in the past, I've seen them as low as $7 even. Not now. Not now. Not now. <laughs> but no. those are beautiful. This was so enjoyable. Thank you for chatting with us. Well, thanks. Thanks for choosing we, us. Oh, are you kidding? And we learned a lot. I think I just called you out of the blue, I think, and you said, sure. Like, yeah. Jerry, you uh, did. You uh, said, sure. I usually don't refuse free publicity. <laughs> Well, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I think we're the oldest continuously operated business in Matlachan. You are. I've seen that. Yeah. I've seen that written. Yeah. So congratulations. Thanks. And thanks for staying. I'm glad you didn't go anywhere else. I know. We were thrilled to find this spot. Yeah. It feels better to be here than have relocated somewhere else. And all your friends can find you. Mm -hmm. They can. And they know there's a cold beer in the fridge here. Oh, that's good to know. So that's plus. Yeah, stop by. <laughs> you hear that, honey? Okay. Oh, well, thanks so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening. And remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.